Bienvenue au podcast Dernier Tour, or in other words, welcome to the Final Lap podcast in Monaconese. Does Monaco, does Monaco have its own language? No, of course it fucking doesn't. It's... <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, welcome to the Final Lap podcast in French. Uh, it, it is French, isn't it, in Monaco? Must be. Must I assume be. so. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not privileged enough to have ever visited there. But, uh... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's French anyway, so uh, that's good enough for me. Uh, yes, welcome to the Final Lap Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my faithful colleague, Sean Gray. Good evening. And we have the pleasure of reviewing the Monoconese Grand Prix. This is what I'm going to call that Grand Prix forevermore now. No, it's like funny you it. say that, because I was watching the race at the weekend, and I was thinking to myself, what do they call people from Monaco? Is it Monoconese? Like... <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I was going to look it up and then I just never bothered, so I'm glad that you have also decided that that's what, that's what they've got. Well, it's either that or it's Monoconian, which doesn't sound right at all. Monoconian makes it sound like, like you're the child of a, a traffic bollard or something. Possibly. I'm going to look it up. They're called, they're called Monocans. <laughs> <laughs> But, Apparently, so. And does that mean if they're they're called mon mon yeah, from Sterling Moss? Then it's Monaco, isn't it? Not Monaco. So we call them Monocans. He'd be calling them Monarchans. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> or Menorcans, and then really confuse everybody. And apparently, just to add, just to continue this uh, theme of a bit of, a bit of culture into the uh, the show, they actually speak a local dialect called oh. Monegasque. Oh. So you should have been learning Monegasque, not well, like a sucker, you're learning French. <laughs> Probably offended all 12 people in Monaco with that. <laughs> the 12 actual people who were born in Monaco, as opposed <laughs> to everybody else who lives there, yeah. Well, I'm afraid Google Translate doesn't have Monegascan on it. I could have done it in Mongolian, possibly. Uh, maybe Macedonian, but oh, yeah, not Mono just, uh, just to give you a little bit of credit, the Wikipedia says the official language is French. But Monegascan, Italian, and English are widely spoken there. Oh, so there we go. Great. Well, that's all right then. I feel better. <laughs> and I went to the sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're actually here to talk about. Uh, it was the Monaco Grand Prix this uh, this weekend, just gone, and bit of a funny one. Bit up and down, really, wasn't it? Um, exciting um, at the start, boring in the middle, and then got very, very interesting at the end. All of a sudden. I think you mentioned it last week, but Monaco, despite having being difficult to overtake it does keep you interested all the way through because you know something could happen at any time all it takes is one suicidal moment from a driver and you've got a safety car so you're, you're always watching to the last lap even like with some circuits it would like catalonia is a good example after about five laps you could probably predict the final two or three the first two or three positions but uh at least in monaco you're always kind of on the edge of the seat and like you're right like you said dullish middle but what an ending really good ending yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um it's quick rundown of uh what how qualifying went because obviously that contains probably the biggest talking point from across the whole weekend uh yeah. nico rosberg from lewis hamilton uh the two red bulls the two ferraris uh, and then a Toro Rosso, uh, and then it was a bit of a jumble after that. McLaren Spain was Rosso. like that as well. Spain had was two by two by two. We're getting a little bit formation finishing a little bit in some in some I, of the races. The interesting thing about that, obviously, isn't it, is that the Mercedes, the Merck powered Mercedes, is top, and then it's actually two other engine manufacturers in between 
Very interesting, yeah. And, and then comes all of the other Merc, dri- Merc drivers. I mean, we knew it was going to be a little bit different than the other ones at Monaco because it's Monaco and the Merc engines were not going to have the advantage of, you know, pure raw power to to push them ahead of everybody else. So, uh, But still, it, interesting to see that the Ferraris did so well here, which, I, I, you know, I guess you've got to be quite happy about that as a sort of Ferrari guy that, you know, on circuits where maybe there's not such an emphasis on raw power they'll they, you know they got a chance definitely yeah so we're well fine what's yeah. the big talking point there then hmm, <laughs> hmm. um it, well it certainly wasn't marcus erickson or kumui kobayashi coming in um nearly six seconds away from the pole time <laughs> oh dear um it was uh yeah nico rosberg did he or did he not do a shoemy Mm, that is the question that has uh, rumbled on for quite a large portion of the weekend. So what happened with anybody who didn't see it, and if you didn't see it, more fool you, but um, Rosberg's leading, uh, the, he's in provisional pole position with one lap to go. He's on the track in front of Lewis Hamilton. He has a little minor moment going down into Mirabeau, brings out the yellow flag, He's currently in provisional pole position. Lewis behind him slows down to avoid the yellow flag. His lap's ruined. Rosberg, by default, stays on pole position. Did he or didn't he mean the moment, Andrew Pearson? My initial thought was, um, no, it can't. It, uh, it was a mistake. Um, they showed the onboard, and he was wiggling that wheel. But that part of the track can be bumpy if you don't have to go very far offline. And he's pushing, he's pushing to the extreme. He's trying to get pole position. It's probably the most important pole position of the season. And, and there's kind of a bit of me that thinks, <clears throat> if you're locking up a Formula 1 car, you are not in control of a Formula 1 car. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if he'd, you can't guarantee anything. You know, no. You don't know exactly how much speed you're going to scrub off if you've locked a front wheel going towards the barriers of Monaco. It would have have had just as much chance to go in, tap the barrier with the front of his um, thing and damage his car um, than um, than anything else. I don't know, maybe he wouldn't have cared after that because he'd have, I guess, probably still got pole. But that means that your car has to be repaired and other bits and pieces and you can't guarantee that you'll get the same, exactly the same setup you did when you got in. So it's, it's really risky and I just... Nico doesn't seem that kind of driver to me. He's not a risky driver. He's not. He's de- he's complete polar opposite in terms of like personality and style, as someone like Schumacher. The ironic thing is that I'd I'd actually say that Lewis is somebody who I'd be more suspicious of if something like that I, happened. I agree with that because I, I think Lewis would do anything to win. I agree with that. I think. That he didn't mean it. I agree completely with uh, Damon Hill, who gave a good analysis on on Sky. Uh, said very similar things to yourself regarding the bumps at Mirabeau and locking of the wheel and things like that. I just I, I don't believe that he could have orchestrated that as perfectly as he did. Like it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been that easy. I don't believe personality-wise Rosberg would do that. And I'm, I'm, Rosberg's my guy, and I'm sticking by him on this one. I don't think he meant it. I think the thing is, at the end of the day, whether you think he did or not, the stewards cleared him, and the yeah, stewards and have, and the stewards have all the telemetry, and they have all the braking, and the, all the other bits and pieces, and what that car was doing, 
And they got to speak to Rosberg face to face, which nobody got to do exactly at that time. Before anybody else spoke to him, he had to go do the stewards. And knowing full well that he can't lie about anything because they got to him if he said, oh, no, the car was wobbling all over the place. And they see that the wobbling of the car was in direct correlation to what his steering wheel was doing. That They're not going to fool anybody. So that's it. The stewards are there to do a job. They've done their job. We have to trust them on that one. We have to believe like that's they've made the decision. We whether you have personal agenda against Rosberg, you're pro Lewis, whatever, you need to accept what the decision the Stuarts made. They're the only people that have the whole know the whole story, and they've done that, and I've, I'm fine with it. There were two people I've come to hate after that incident. It was one of them, Johnny Herbert. No, no, no. <laughs> he, was talking, he was talking shit about it, and it annoyed me. <laughs> Can't hate Johnny Herbert, bless him. <laughs> um, no, it's Hamilton fanboys who are are now loathe. I already hated them. Anyway. Um, well, they were generally pretty bad, but they're so—they're generally so stupid you can ignore them. But it was just so vociferous; it was just like oh, fuck off. <laughs> and the second is—and I, I suppose I should have hated them already—but uh, Sebastian Vettel fanboys who took that moment to say, "Oh well, if Sebastian had done it, you'd all be up in arms saying that he cheated." <laughs> He's, they have to feel the need to drag Sebastian into the title fight somehow. So. <laughs> But no, I mean, fanboys just as a, as a concept are horrible people. But um, Yeah, the yeah. Hamilton fanboys have become my number one least favourite thing in Formula One at the moment. And I, I, and I still, you know, I still am not anti-Hamilton. I'd still be happy enough if he won the World Championship. Admittedly now, they've made me wish that Nico Rosberg wins. But <laughs> um, I, I don't care, really, either way particularly. But <sighs> Yeah, um... Um, I do the uh, I do the wise thing of trying not to read like I think I maybe read like one or two comments on like Planet F1 and I'm like I just <laughs> step away from the keyboard before rage ensues. But now nah, um, I I back uh, I back Rosberg and I think Lewis could have handled it an awful lot better. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it didn't come across very well. It's but. just like, well, it's one thing if it's somebody else in another team, then get out there and accuse them of cheating and all the other bits and pieces and, do you know what I mean, raise a fuss. If it's your teammate, you've got one of two choices. You're either your own man, in which case you go out in the press and say, I think Nico cheated 100%. I'm convinced that that's the case. Or you say, I don't think my teammate would do that. Um, I'm sure he just made a mistake. Yes, it's unfortunate that it ruined what I thought might have been a pole lap. But if he hadn't have done it, maybe his lap would have been pole uh, and it wouldn't have mattered what I did. So, say uh, V, on to the race and we'll see how it goes. You do one of those two things. You don't go, hmm, don't know, maybe. Well, yeah, what do you think? that's exactly what he did. It's yes. a petulant child thing. and it, that's, it's. He also said that he guaranteed he would have been on pole if he got to finish his lap. But he can't know that because Rosberg would have finished his lap then. And Lewis hadn't beaten Rosberg for the session. So why did he assume that on the very last chance he would? He would? Like, it was a bit of arrogance for Lewis that you ha I haven't seen out of him for a while. And I've come around to Lewis a lot in his last few years. But I didn't like that this weekend. No. No, he's not... He's not He's not done well for himself all weekend. And I suppose we'll get to the, the second part of that. Thing as well, you know, he's still second on the grid. He's still leading the World Championship. He's still won the last four Grand Prix. Like, <laughs> take a, just take a minute to put things into perspective and realise that, you know, he didn't get to do one lap. You know, maybe if he'd been good enough for the rest of the session, it wouldn't have made a difference. But, yep. of course, he wasn't thinking about that. No. Anyway. Rosberg puts it on pole, and uh, as we know at Monaco, pole is half the battle. Indeed. 
Uh, so let's get on to the race then. Um, and we will do it in our inimitable session where we just simply walk, we'll, we'll talk down the order in which everybody finished. So Nico started on pole and uh, led the whole race, essentially. It did lead the whole race, I yep. think, yeah, because uh, they pitted at the same time around the safety car, so oh, yes, the went straight back out, led the race the whole time. Didn't really look under severe pressure, Lewis did well to keep within a second, a couple of seconds for the majority of the race until his own issues later on towards the end, but at no point did you really think Lewis was going to have the ability to pass Rosberg. If he didn't do it in the pits, which he didn't, because as I'm sure we'll cover the safety car in a moment, it didn't look like he'd be able to do it on track, and that's the way it, it, it transpired. Well, you know, and that's another thing about, you know, again, rabid fanboyism. Everybody goes on about how Lewis is this supreme overtaker, but, um, well, he was outshined by Adrian Suttle, essentially, this race, in terms of you want to say who put who put the overtakes in in the race. Well, there was another good one as well down at Portie. Well, Hulkenberg's that one... Yeah. <laughs> that one overtake was just Unbelievable. Uh, something else. But, I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it? You, I mean, there were cars of, you know, similar... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, cinema pedigree, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, Not having a massive advantage over the other one. Certainly the Toro Rosses and the, um, and the McLarens. Yeah, if Sattel can pass anybody in a Sauber, then, you know, he's doing a fair good job. Well, exactly. So, let's, you know, let's temper everybody saying what a great driver is by saying well he had the same machinery uh running at the same pace had um he would use slightly less fuel most of the race so he had yeah, had his own problems with the fuel which we haven't even touched on yet and that, that gave lewis a great opportunity to get by and he didn't so nico had to save fuel for a good chunk of that middle middle distance and despite having to go into fuel saving mode the gap remained the same lewis didn't look like getting past so you know Lewis, not happy, obviously, that he came second this weekend, but it's not like he wasn't without chances. He could have had pole position if he'd been quick enough, and he could have had Nico if he'd been good enough, and he wasn't. Uh, and I, I kind of pretty much agree with you on that one. I fancied Nico big time this weekend, just because last year he was so dominant at this track last year. He always does has a good Monaco Grand Prix, and with the car that he's got under him, it was always going to be a two-way fight between him and Lewis, and I just fancied him to nick it this weekend, and obviously that's the way it did did transpire. Unfortunately, I didn't have a bet, which is a shame, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Rosberg was the better man on the day, and that's all I really have to say on that matter. Lewis couldn't get the job done. It was kind of like a reverse Catalonia a little bit. Lewis got into the f uh, first corner, and that was kind of game set and match by turn one and it was kind of like the opposite to that this weekend Rosberg got into the first corner and Lewis never really looked like getting past so that was Nico's race which was essentially uneventful um, solid but uneventful yeah it's a good description uh, and uh, as leading from Pol from Monaco can often be there often isn't a requirement for you to do too much Lewis had a little bit more on his plate to deal with um, not much because certainly even... towards the end of the race, anyway. Yeah, um, I guess the first thing we should talk about is the double pit stop uh, in the safety ah, car. Ah, yes, of course. Um, so, who was it? That, was it Sutil that crashed down it there? It was Sutil's crash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that not where Kimi Raikkonen ruined his race a few years back? As well, yep. he, doesn't, he doesn't like that. He time. does not like coming out of the tunnel. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, 
Yes, Silt Silt has a big moment, snaps the nose off his sabre and uh, pucks it, I thought was in a fairly innocuous place really, although I guess the point is if somebody else has a big accident down there, you've got a car hurtling down at 150 odd miles an hour straight to the scene of another accident and that's not sensible. So I I can kind of see why it was inevitable that a safety car was going to come out. Um, And Merck chose to uh, wait a lap until the safety car had 100% come out. Uh, and then double pitted the uh, two cars at the same time. Lewis backed off to give himself enough space so that he could just essentially drive in, back up the traffic behind him, um, dive in, put his boots on, and go without being held up, literally stationary waiting for Rosberg. Um, so his stop was a you know a little bit longer than Nico's, but not not overly much. Uh, and then for the remaining laps of the safety car, all we got was fucking Lewis Hamilton on the radio saying, "Why didn't you pit me?" Should have pitted me. I knew you weren't going to call me in. Why didn't you pit me? And it was just like, really? The thing that the thing that confused me about that entire situation was he's behind Rosberg on the track. The two Mercedes are behind Sutil's accident. They're coming up to the approaching accident. They see the accident, and at this point, Lewis is thinking there might be a safety car. I want to be pitted. But if Mercedes are thinking along the same lines as Lewis and on the pit wall. Surely they're going to bring both the cars in if they're anticipating a safety car. If they think there might be a safety car here, we'll pit them. Lewis would come in like he wants, but surely they would also bring Nico in. So the situation would remain the same. They're not just going to, they're not going to, oh, we might be a safety car here. We should just pit one of our drivers. They'd say, oh, there might be a safety car here. We'll pit our drivers. Well, this is the this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because after to me, the... it's either two cars or no cars that come into the pit there. Yeah, no, I and to be honest with you, I, I kind of totally agree with you. Um, but Lewis made a point afterwards, and it was the only interesting thing that wasn't really him whining about something that I I was kind of interested in in him saying the whole weekend. Um, and that was he said, when I was at McLaren, we had a strategist each, so that mm-hmm. meant if I made the call to come in and Jensen, for instance, didn't then I'd come in. It's It was only, do you know, which obviously means that, that only the whole, the leader gets to make the pit stop strategy, is only when you're working on an optimum strategy for both cars. So if you're both doing the same strategy, lead car gets the choice. But when there's things up in the air, they can make the things. So Lewis's side of the garage could, was effectively racing Jensen's. If they, if there was a chance for them to jump Jensen in the pits and it wasn't, you know, it was on a different strategy and didn't ruin jensen's race then he got to do it because they each had a strategist and merc only have one strategist for the team he works out what's optimal to score mercedes the most number of points which is wait until the safety car comes in don't try and jump it and see what's going to happen make sure there is definitely a safety car out and then double pit both of the cars nobody loses out everybody comes out in station it's all good now that's where it becomes a personal opinion I'd personally like to see both sides of either side of a garage racing one another, that they run as two separate units. But <laughs> Formula One is a multi-million dollar sport. Teams have to get the best results they can. So I can completely see why you'd have a single strategist that told both sides of the garage what the fuck they had to do and not to fuck it up for the other side. I uh, couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> the, sure, the fan wants to see each individual car on the track do its own thing and race and whatnot but put yourself in the team boss's shoes and you understand why things are done the way they're done uh 
And surely Lewis, as a professional Formula One driver, understands that as well. Surely he un- he must. If we can say, no, they're doing it this way because this, you know, it's obvious why he's doing that. Surely Lewis understands that, which makes his whining even more unacceptable. Uh, absolutely, you know, it's a it's a point certainly, but you know, he worked he he signed for that team. And this is a, a yet another point of rabid Hamilton fanboys who love pointing out that Lewis made the right decision to jump from McLaren to Mercedes because look at how they're doing. Well, you know, he obviously isn't, you know, unhappy about McLaren or in any way, shape or form. So you can shut that up your asses. <laughs> uh, because, you know, at least in McLaren, regardless of whatever car they've given him, he'd be able to run his own race. Uh, there you go. It's... I said, it swings and roundabouts though. Would he rather be leading the world championship in a Mercedes team that have uh, one strategist and he's going to sometimes come behind Nico or in situations like that, depend- depending on the race? Or would he rather be in McLaren making all his own decisions but be fucking 10th? You know? <laughs> well, what does I'm, he I'm, want here? I, you know, can't I'm, have it both ways. <laughs> I'm sure he'll take the uh, the chance at the world championship. Exactly. But, um, but the interesting thing would be is if they were in similar powered machines, you know, is it that, you know. Um, yeah, but can he can he understand that if if, he, if, if McLaren had a similar power to Mercedes, he'd still be a McLaren, like that much is apparent. But he's moved on because he's moved to the team that's given him the better the better equipment, and that's like that's just Formula One. So the point, like I, I would like to make again, is just if Lewis had gotten the job done on the track, if he had track position, he'd he would have gotten the rub of the green there. It's fifty yeah. fifty. It's not like Nico's getting preferential treatment. If he'd been in pole, he'd have got the he'd have got the rub of the green. And next week, if something like that happens, he might be in front, and he gets the chance. Like that's just the way it goes. Sometimes he needs to be a man and realize that he didn't quite get one this time. No, but next time he will. He and sa- that's life. <laughs> He's sounding like Mark Webber, but in the position of Sebastian Vettel, which makes no sense. He's won the last four races on the trot. Like, yeah, and he's, play, he's trying to play the hard luck kid, you know? Come on, Lewis. Oh, the team's not the team's not there for me. Oh, really? <laughs> Fuck. Fluked your way to those last four wins then, did you? <sighs> Every week until this week, it was, great job, team. Love you guys. You've built me a great car. You have all been brilliant. And the one time he comes, God forbid, second place. <laughs> he's throwing the toys at the pram. He's just made himself look like a twat all weekend. Yeah. Pretty and much. I'm a bit, I'm a bit a Hamilton fan these days, but it's just a silly, silly weekend from last. Um, and silly because apparently he must have, he must have lifted his visor at some point during the fucking race because lap sixty odd comes around and we get, I got something in my eye. Yeah, that's not heard that one possibly ever. Certainly not in recent memory. I can't remember a driver complaining or something in his eye. I think the last person was probably Nicky Lauder, and that's not it because he's had his fucking eyelids burnt off by <laughs> racing fuel. It, do you know what I mean? Fucking hell, Lewis. I'm saying, I'm saying nothing. Yeah, you better not. <laughs> uh, I'm going to dig that clip out from somewhere and stick it on the end of this podcast just to remind people. Um, yeah, really weird. Strange. Seemed to clear it up. Um, and the weird thing was is that at the time it seemed like that was the catalyst to get Daniel Ricciardo up on his back. And that Ricardo sort of chased him down and caught him up, but um, according to the reports after the race, uh, he got it out of his eye within a lap and a half. Interesting. So he lo- he lost time to Rosberg, but the time that you know um, 
Ricardo made again. up on him was all Danny. I would assume then that because of the eye incident, he's lost time to Rosberg. He knows he isn't going to catch him and beat him now with whatever, 10, 15 laps to go. So you would assume that he just turned everything down and brought the car home in second to nurse the engine and whatnot that needs to be saved. And then, obviously, Ricardo is able to, to catch towards the end. Yeah. That would be my assumption there. That's the only thing I can think. But, I mean, the, the opposite side of that is that the Red Bull was just quite good on his tyres at that stage of the race as well, which is, you know, I think it probably a combination of Lewis turning shit down, knowing that he couldn't beat Rosberg, and uh, on the, and Ricardo a being very good all weekend again, uh, and b they seemed to the tyres seemed to work better for the Red Bull uh, towards the end of the stints than they did on the Mercedes. Yes. When the Mercedes tyres started to go off, they really went off. Whereas the the Red Bull, they were going off, but you know they were still able to put in a bit of decent time. So towards the end of the race, there, that's it seemed that's what to me anyway that that's what was happening. Yeah. And by the end of the race, just because Lewis had been such a petulant little bitch all weekend, even though I don't like Red Bull, I was hoping Ricardo passed him. Yeah. <laughs> I must admit, by that point, I was thinking, oh, it's, yeah, that'd be quite funny actually if he does end yeah. up coming third. Like, if he starts whining about only managing to come second, oh well, now you've actually come third because you fucking weren't focused. So. Anyway, it wasn't to be. Ricardo, as I said, another cracking weekend. Top Red Bull driver. I'm sure we'll get onto Vettel when we talk about the DNFs. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> uh, he had a very quiet weekend, really, didn't he? He, um, he just steadily kept himself in front of everybody who was behind him uh, and then obviously caught up to Lewis when he needed to. Um, he had a bad start because he lost uh, yeah, he to like Vettel and Alonso, wasn't it? Uh, oh, no, Vettel and uh, Jimmy, Raikkonen. Kimi had a funny race as well. we'll get oh, to God, blimey. The, yeah, nobody had less of a fun time than Kimi, um, I think, the whole the whole weekend. But, um, yeah, and he was just quick all the time. And what's is this his second Monaco? No, it's at least his third. Oh yeah, uh, of course. He's two in a Toro Rosso. Rosso. I was thinking. And he might even have had one in a. I was gonna. Fun, funny enough, I was thinking. I wonder if he if he had a chance in the HRT, which is what I was kind of vaguely thinking about. And I thought, oh yeah, he did drive for Toro Rosso for a couple of seasons, didn't he? Yeah, he's a big Monaco, and he'll have done uh, junior formula around Monaco. I don't know if they do though, do they? Oh, would they do in GP two? Formula Renault does as well. So. Oh, do they? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't because it it's not somewhere that a lot of formula get to race particularly. It's. They, op they open sport. it up for the Formula One and then to kind of close it down again. It's. Do you have BT Sport now? Uh, I don't have BT Sport no. Because they show the Formula Renault series live on BT Sport <gasps> every oh. week. I'm I didn't know that until this weekend. Uh, I just noticed it during Monaco, so yeah. I'll be keeping an eye on for that. I was going to say, don't tell anybody. I'll probably be illegally streaming that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a really good stream for BT because they they're online players all HD and stuff, so you can always find a really good stream for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's on BT Sport, and so Formula Renault go around there, and so does yeah. GP2 because I watched the GP2, both GP2 races. Oh uh, my god! Live this weekend, and was the GP2 back. race the first the, the feature pile race? Up in the feature race oh was brilliant down at the hairpin. That was amazing. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so Ricardo has a bit of experience, is the point, around the track. Yep. So he knows what he's doing. And I'm just not surprised anymore by this nope. kid. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I will not be surprised if he finishes ahead of Vettel in the World Championships. Do you, do you know who is surprised? Apparently. Uh, no, <laughs> Christian Horner. 
He says he had no idea Daniel Ricardo was this fast when they signed him. Kind of makes you think, when the fuck did you sign him for then? They don't care who drives that car. Nope. I'm surprised Red Bull have any engineers even on that car. <laughs> just put yeah, poor Daniel Ricardo has to turn up it's five o'clock in the morning, work on his own car, spanners in his own bag. <laughs> just imagine Brundle being like, uh, Christian, what do you make of your your, your other car today? And Horner being like, what other car? We have we have another car. Yeah. <laughs> Shouting over to someone at the back of the garage. We got we got another car. <laughs> I thought no, that was a Toro Rosso. Sorry. <laughs> That's it. Brilliant. Great so, weekend, yeah. Ricardo. Another podium. And uh, what more can you say? Best of the rest. Nobody's going to catch the Mercedes and. That's all you can hope for in his position is mm-hmm. to beat the Ferraris and beat his teammate, and he's done it, and he's done it again, not for the first time this season. And you know, like I'll go on record now and say I'll probably I I think he'll come third in the World Championship. I yeah. honestly do. Yeah, I'm I'm I wouldn't be too surprised if that was the case, and and good on him. Um, and it and th- what it's done is it's renewed my goodwill towards Red Bull. Which had all been drowned out in the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now like, yeah, go on, Daniel, and I can cheer on a rebel and not feel like, oh god, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I can I agree with that. Like I said at the end of the race, that I was kind of hoping he gets past. Uh, yeah, that's, it's it's going to be very interesting if he consistently beats Vettel for the next year, year and a half. That like, we've never seen Vettel put under pressure the way. He's being put under pressure. And it's not like he's got Mark Webber doing it, who is a 36, 37-year-old, nearly retired pro who's never really going to amount to anything other than an odd win here or there. This is Ricardo, who's 22, 23, and has real aspirations of, like, I mean, if if Ricardo, at his age, consistently beats Vettel uh, for the next year or so, and Red Bull don't want to give him the full support that they give Vettel, He'll go somewhere, even he'll go a Ferrari or a Mercedes if he keeps this kind of stuff up. So uh, it's it's good for the sport. Yeah, yeah. We need we need more good drivers just coming along and showing what they can do and be given the chance to do. It. Absolutely, I'm. I've said it many times on this show. Young guys, they need to be given an opportunity and and good machinery. So it's great to see. Uh, fourth place, um, and <laughs> I think probably quite happy about it. Um, was somebody who we didn't see very much of during the race, <laughs> Fernando Alonso. He um, raced at Monaco, did he? <laughs> he did. We actually, we, it's funny really because the, the, there were there were two car, two red cars that got a lot of attention. Uh, one of which was Kimi Raikkonen, who was on TV all the time, uh, and the other red car was not a Ferrari, um, and it wasn't Fernando Alonso. Uh, very anonymous race. Um, the last non-lapped car, which I suppose has got to be something, I guess. Ooh. Um, and, and I suppose, and I suppose you've got to say that's a good drive from Fernando to keep keep the Ferrari ahead of you know the all-conquering Mercs, um, given I mean, what, that everybody else got smashed. What you have to say about Alonso coming fourth there is, you write off the Mercedes. You simply aren't. He doesn't have the tools to beat them, regardless of what drive. He could be ten times the driver Rosberg and Hamilton. He isn't going to beat that. Mercedes, no matter what. So what you then you have to say is he's only really been beaten by one guy, in mm-hmm. in comparable machinery. So a good weekend for Fernando. Yeah, definitely. Uh, finishing fifth, the lap down, um, but with arguably the the pass of Monaco was Nico Hulkenberg. 
Yeah. Elkenberg is a funny one because, like, I don't know how he got in fifth. Like, I, I remember at the end of the last couple of laps of the race, looking through the stand, and I was like, Hulk's in fifth? How did he get up there? Like, has he been there all race? Like, it just, it just seemed to, he just done that thing that he does where he just quietly goes about a business and suddenly he's in the top six and getting points and you don't really realise how he's done it. He's just steady, reliable, quick, can overtake should he have to and consistently brings that car home in the top six. And if he, th- he qualified 11th. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just crept his way up there without me even realising it. The one moment I really took notice of him was his pass in Portier, which, as you alluded to, was fabulous. And that's it. And suddenly he's in fifth place. Admittedly, there was a few retirements towards the end, but still, like... I mean, if you look at most of the retirements, they're generally cars that would have been behind him. Yeah. You know, it's not like loads of people in front of his car finished in the way that, you know, we're probably going to talk about um, uh, Jules Bianchi. But, um, yeah, just... How do you make up six places in Monaco and nobody fucking realises it by one place? They notice one place and that was it. Um, so yeah, you put Nico Hulkberg in a car and he brings it home in the best points you could possibly expect him to bring it home to. Why is this man not driving in one of the top teams? Who the fuck knows? That's a problem now. He's having such another good season, but who do you replace in the top teams? There's no one really. So. Well, yeah, you, you, it's just whether you wonder whether Nando goes, don't you, at, at Ferrari, whether he packs his bags and says, fuck this, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to, going to see, you know, where I can get in and. If he goes, then I suspect that's probably what will happen. But um, yeah, um, sixth place, Denton Button in the McLaren, who had um, a pretty good weekend compared to their other weekends, certainly. Given um, the current level of that McLaren, that's a good result for Jensen. It is, and he was hunting people down and overtaking them. So, you know, um, there's something to be built on in that car. He was chasing down Hulkenberg. In the last lap. So, however well Hulkenberg did, Denson was doing pretty much as well. That's uh, true, yeah, he did close in. That's true, yeah. Um, and another, similarly to like Hulk, I think the problem with this race is there was that much action going on, Lewis chasing down Nico, and then at the end, Ricardo chasing down Lewis. And then you had shunts for the guys like Raikkonen and Bottas and uh, Chattel and whatnot. The, it, the middle order kind of you kind of bypassed them. You didn't quite realise what exactly Hulkenberg and Button were up to until, oh, wow, they're fifth and sixth. <laughs> no, indeed. Uh, they just quietly went about their business, drove good races and scored excellent points. But it's difficult for me to actually say what they did to get yeah. there. Uh, Jensen's really only big camera moment was um, in, on the first lap when uh, Perez pretty much turned in on him and um, uh, caused the safety car in the... Um... Uh, yeah. yeah, that was... Uh... It was a weird one. It, uh, just like you'd gone that wide, why were you not looking when you turned in? Can't you must have expected a car on the first lap to go? Ooh, fuck off, gap! I'm going in there, and we'll see. You know, and it, it's, it's got to be your guy on the left guy, guy's responsibility to yeah, not just turn in on the guy and go, oh fuck, you know, lose the place and then tuck in behind him. Hopefully, um, so that was bloody stupid from Perez, who'd qualified all right, hadn't he? I think. Um, see uh, oh no he was 10th so okay <laughs> um, no yeah. I agree another man with a good race certainly worked out he did a different strategy and it cut you it worked out because he started 16th on the grid and finished in the points and that's a great race at Monaco mm-hmm. Felipe Massa 7th yes he managed to um... the only man who didn't pit under the safety car I think 
Yes. I mean, and he, he had to do that, didn't he, really? It was pretty much the only the only thing he could... It's the only time he would have had time to make up time on everybody else. Um, uh, and it worked out, you know, that's and that's fair play because he must have been so fucked off after qualifying. And, and that's fair play. I think a Massa in another season would have put his head down and finished 13th or, uh-huh. you know, uh, what was the last... Like... Uh, uh, 10th maybe do you know what i mean just ahead of the caterums because it was just like well this is fucking stupid i'm just gonna go around i'm not gonna do anything stupid and just gonna you know see what happens and fuck it you never know but he really you know he obviously raced his bus off the whole uh the whole weekend um and yeah good just just rewards i think for that yeah definitely uh at one stage i didn't think it was going to work out for him it kind of looked like he just wouldn't have the i thought he was going to come out behind a lot of guys, and he wouldn't be able to get past them. But then some of the some of the incidents further uh, later on in the race definitely played in his favour. But I can't take can't take it away from me. Started sixteenth and finished seventh. That's the fact. That's what the history books will say, and that's a good that's a great effort around Monaco. So, uh, and another person having a good effort around uh, Monaco in what must have been a horrific car to drive was Roman Grosjean in the Lotus for eighth place. Um, do you know what I mean? The car isn't fast and doesn't look like it's fun to drive in terms of downforce and stickiness and grip and all the other bits and pieces. So he finished his first race at, at Monaco, which is good, and scored his first... Oh, no. Was it his first points or was it his first finish? I can't remember now. Certainly, way, certainly, certainly his first points, possibly his first finish at Monaco. Either way, I tentatively suggest that I think this is his home Grand Prix as well. <laughs> Well, who no, fucking knows? Because he doesn't have a home place. He was born in a laboratory somewhere beneath the uh, Swiss Alps. I think that's that's all we've got. That's all we've got on Roman Grosjean. Yeah, Flavio Briatore's basement. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad experiment going wrong. Um, um, but an anonymous race didn't really see very much from me. Passed. We passed a few of the back markers. And if you're getting a Lotus in the points, I'm going to say good effort. I think you've got. Day. I think you've got to say. If you're talking about people who benefited from everybody else not finishing, it was him. Yeah. Well, and the next guy who I can't wait to talk about. But, yeah. <gasps> Yay. Uh, so, so, well, let's pleased. do it. Fuck it. Let's go to it. So pleased for my boy, who I've been saying is destined for big things for two years now. Finished eighth place, by the way. But due to a bit of miscom- mis- uh, com- uh, can't talk. miscommunication and confusion uh, over his penalty... Cost him uh, the eighth place, well, dropped down to ninth. Let, let's do this chronologically. What happens uh, on the parade lap? Pastor Maldonado's car breaks down. He's wheeled to the pits and doesn't <laughs> even start the race. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so that leaves a big gap right at the back of the field. Funnily enough, um, to which uh, Max Chilton, Jules Bianchi, and uh, Marcus Ericsson all completely forget that they need to leave a space between the person it's like the in three front. Dip, it's like the three dipshit amigos. <laughs> it's like it is. Uh, <laughs> and all park in the wrong fucking grid spot. Geniuses that they are. Uh, and all get a five, five second stop go penalty. Um, of which um, they all took it, I think, under the safety car. Uh, or no, it was Ericsson and Bianca. I think Chilton obviously didn't. Um, he pitted at another time, probably after the safety car had gone. Um, so, yeah, Jules Bianchi has had a five-second... 
He's only going to stop once, so he has to take it at whatever his next stop is, because he can't do anything else. And then he gets another five seconds stop, go penalty. Which means that he's not going to stop again, so it means he gets five seconds added on to wherever he finishes. Which probably on any other racetrack, you could think, well, maybe he can make that up. Do you know what I mean? Five seconds is quite a lot, you know, is um, a reasonable gap. But in Monaco, like five seconds is half the fucking track. So, you know, finishing where he did was just finishing in ninth, scoring Mauritius' first points was just magnificent. And he did some overtaking for that drive as well. He didn't he just inherit yeah. it. Bumper car Bianchi. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody bash. I thought he was going to get in trouble for that pass, to be honest. I was, I quite, I was quite surprised that he didn't. Um, uh, and well, and Camus was quite upset was because... The funniest thing was it was on Kobayashi. Well, yes. Kobayashi is the king of that kind of input move. And he got, he got <laughs> done at his own sword there. But take nothing away from Jules. What a drive. To finish in eighth, obviously, fair enough. Take the five second hit at the end. Pops Grosjean up to eight. Bianchi comes home ninth. Two world championship points, which is two more than Marussia have scored in the last five seasons. Yep. Fantastic. And, so and two more than Sauber have scored this season. Exactly. So he's got to be worrying Peter Sauber so much because uh, although I'm sure they'll easily beat the Caterhams in terms of final positions, hopefully, um, it's not guarantee, is it? Nothing's a guarantee. I'm pretty sure I said on the last podcast that we've not had a race where we had a crap team scoring a point for a while. Like I remember back in the, the late 90s, the early 2000s, you'd get Mark Webber popping up for a, for a point here and there in the Minardi and Fernando Alonso drove for Minardi and things like that. Yep. And it feels like we haven't had one of those kind of lovely stories for ages. So it was great. I was so pleased. For, and I'm glad it was Bianchi. I mean, take nothing away from Chitlin and Ericsson and Kobayashi and the rest of them. They're all decent enough guys. But Bianchi is the guy that I've been saying is destined for big things. Give him some good machinery. Yep. So I'm so pleased that he's he's been the one to say, yeah, I've got a shit car, but I'm going to drag that shit car as far as it can go. And if I get a bit of luck, I'll get some stuff for it. Yep. And that's exactly what's happened. I'm really I'm delighted for him. Please yeah. for the Marussia guys, because like they seem like decent enough guys down there as well. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so moving on from Jules Bianca, we have in tenth place Kevin Magnussen, who had a fairly eventful race himself, um, which was completely ruined by Kimi Raikkonen. Realistically, um, I'm going to be controversial here and say uh, I don't understand why Kimi Raikkonen wasn't given a penalty for causing an avoidable collision. I'm, I'm, was he not given one? No. After the race? Uh, no. After, and and even if he was, he what was, fucking it? difference does it make? Because it means that he finished 12th. Well, both caterums were lapped three times, so it doesn't matter. Add, you could have added on a minute to his time, and he'd have still. You could have had two minutes onto his time, and <laughs> no, he'd have still finished ahead of both caterums. So I don't understand why he's not being slapped with a grip penalty for the next race. Five place grip penalty for causing an avoidable collision that cost Kevin Magnussen several points because he, he wasn't behind. He he was just behind Jensen Button essentially when it happened. He was reprimanded, Raikkonen, which I think means a slap on the wrist and doesn't actually get anything of tangible noteworthy. Which so. is bollocks, isn't it? He, <laughs> he, cra- he crashed into somebody who, and cost them points. I can't, I, for some reason, I'm having a mind blank on the incident. I don't know whether I was at the toilet or something. What actually happened again? It was at... Um, what current turn was that? Was it a hotel? At the chicane? I can't actually remember. They, yeah, he, went, he tried to go to the inside at the, the hotel chicane. 
and then um, couldn't break in time, so it just essentially went straight on. And because Magnuson was to his right, he just shepherded Magnuson into the fucking barrier. And it was just like, it was the most embarrassing accident I think I've ever seen. It was just so slow and clumsy and unnecessary. Um, because I suspect that um, he could have gotten Magnuson um, at any other corner, really. He, he didn't have to do it then, but he chose, a, he went for a lunge. It didn't pay off and he got no tangible punishment for it. Um, so that, that pissed me off slightly because Magnuson didn't deserve 10th. He deserved probably Felipe Massa's 7th. Um <laughs> Well, that's what I was saying about Massa. He got a bit of luck. He did his strategy and things like that play into your hands around Monaco. Hard luck for Magnussen, but that's, that's racing, isn't it? Uh, it sadly is. It sadly is. Um, that meant that Marcus Ericsson uh, finished 11th for Caterham, which must have pleased him mightily. Um... Normally, you'd be saying that that's a brilliant result for, um, <laughs> for Caterham. Yeah, well... But, uh... Uh... 11th oh, would have put them ahead of... Um... Do you know, I've just... I've just a second YouTube the uh, the Raikkonen Magnussen incident just to refresh your memory and now I'm, I'm slapping myself going, how did I forget that? Of course, I remember watching that one. But yeah, I, I, I'm just going to go back to it. Was Raikkonen's fault, no doubt about it. <laughs> Probably deserved that. I don't know, if it was in race at a decent point, it deserved a... Uh, a drive-through penalty, yeah. Uh, and if it was after the race, whatever, five places on the grid. Yeah. I can't, I can't argue. About that, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Marcus eleventh in, in eleventh would have been a really good result for Caterham generally if it hadn't been for uh, Jules Bianchi's amazing race. Kimi ends up finishing twelfth. Um, had a, the biggest race of ups and downs. Got himself up into third in the first laps. Um, then. Um, what what happened? Did he something happened to him that knocked him all the way back from the start? I can't remember what it was. What was the something to do with Max Chilton because he's moaning about Max Chilton in one of the articles I've been reading. Uh, <laughs> uh, it must have been the second safety car then. Um, he came out. Um, oh yeah, Chilton hit him under the safety ne car. Nearly crashes into Kamui and then Chilton smacked into him. And punctured yeah. his tire, so he pitted, the, and then two two laps later, had to pit again. Um, yeah, it's the it's the rule that Martin Brundle moans about every week about the lapped cars overtaken. Uh, the lapped the lapped Chilton tried to overtake Kimi to get himself unlapped round the back of the the back of the snake, and somehow yeah he somehow managed to hit fucking Ferrari at ten miles an hour at whatever speed it is they're going under the safety car. So yeah, but, so that put him Sebastian right. Vettel like uh, yeah. From a couple of years ago. Um, so that put him right at the back of the grid. Um, he fought his way up Manfred, obviously, to get into the points, and then throws it away in the last few laps. Whilst yeah, also fucking having, having just watched that again, silliness from Kimi, silliness, that incident with Magnussen. Uh, the one with... Uh, I was going to say, the one with Chilton, the biggest problem there was, of course, the safety car had just gone in, so the fuel was still bunched up, so when he had to do the double pit... It wasn't just like losing 15, 20 seconds. It was the track position of going right to the back of the snake. So he just had he just had no chance, really, <laughs> which is a shame because he seemed to be driving quite well up until then. And he, he had a great start, got it ahead of Fernando. Yeah, yeah. He's not had much luck. He's, uh, yeah, it's not been his season. Well, you know, 
getting used to the car, getting used to the new bits and pieces. We'll give him give him a season and then see how he does. I think that's only you only going on about there. Fernando, perhaps maybe jacking it. I reckon it'll be Kimi that will leave Ferrari before Fernando. Yeah, it's entirely possible. It is entirely possible. Two seasons. We'll give him this season and next season. And then I think they might both go right enough. Yeah. Just, they're both getting on in years. They've both been around for 10, 15 years. So, uh, But I think Kimi might go before Fernando. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. He He's always the one that seems least sat satisfied to take mediocrity uh, he's, the, he's the one as well that like uh, he'll just go and do something else and isn't bothered you know like if if after two years at Ferrari he's feeling a bit bored he will just jump in a rally car and that'll be fine and he, he, no skin off his nose whatsoever like no. or he'll go and yeah. do sports car or yeah, anything like, or the man or whatever he wants to do that is fun for whatever, him he's, 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 he was in a funny mood at the press conference I don't know if you've seen any of it but <laughs> the the press officers were asking him big long winded questions and you know what it's like he was just like I don't I don't care <laughs> it was fantastic they asked him admittedly it was some stupid questions like but it was brilliant like like Kimi just wasn't wasn't playing it playing their games this weekend I think if I was an interviewer if I had to interview Kimi Rockin I'd just say things like incident with Magnuson puncture with Chilton and just give him like three word questions, yeah, and, get and then three he can word. go go. Through, and you know, mm-hmm. if, if if he wants to expand on anything, then he can. And if he isn't, you haven't lost anything. Yeah, yeah, like then if you ask him a big like long massive question, and like by the time he's finished his question, Kimmy's already forgotten the start of the question. <laughs> he's, he's already <laughs> going. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. He's a simple man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's finish off our roundup with the last two places, which was Kamui Kobayashi, who. Uh, uh, I didn't have a very good uh, Monaco Grand Prix, and Max Chilton, who probably had the worst Monaco Grand Prix of anybody, if you're going to fucking do stupid things. Um, and uh, the DNF, so let's go through that really quickly, because I know this uh, review is taking most of the show up so far. Uh, Esteban Gutierrez, um, he... Did he just break down, or did he crash? He crashed, didn't he? No, he, he crashed. Um, Valtteri Bottas... Um, did he crash? I don't remember that. Or did he just? No, maybe I think he maybe he retired. I think his engine went. I think. Uh, John Eric Vern definitely engine went in uh, a big he way. Had, he had a good big blowout that we haven't seen for a while. <laughs> I quite enjoyed seeing the smoke come out. Yes. Um, Adrian Sittle, as we said, had a uh, had his incident coming out of the tunnel, smacked his nose into the barrier, and um, slid into. Um, what is that called? What's that chicane called? It's not like the nerve chicane or something like that. My French accent's off, but it's something like that. Uh, yeah. uh, something. Um, Danny Kvyat uh, was doing all right, uh, and then I think his engine gave out as well, didn't he? He didn't crash, did he? I think it was a retirement. Yeah. Uh, like a like a, a mechanical retirement. I mean. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, complaining about lack of power all weekend, um, came out, did three laps, uh, then had no power and started slipping back. They got him in the pits, got him out again, and then he got stuck in first gear. <laughs> um, which I saw the one of the my, uh, brilliant image macro, which was, um, which gear are you stuck in, Seb? And it's got a picture of him hot doing his little famous one finger salute. And I, <laughs> that's good. That's I good. laughed. I it's, laughed. Yeah, it's the new. Again, my French accent's off, but it's the Nouvelle Chicane, or the 
no chicken, something like that. I don't do French. Yeah, no, I no, speak German. Sounds yeah. about right. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, hilarity ensues for Sebastian Vettel, who uh, is having a very bad year, and long may it continue. Uh, <laughs> Sergio Perez didn't make one lap, as we've discussed. Decided he'd turn in on Jensen Button, and then suddenly found himself turning out into the barrier. And Pastor Maldonado did not even get to do the parade lap. He his car melted whilst it was waiting to take off for the parade lap. They wheeled him back to the pits, and he couldn't even start from the pits. Do you think his car just went? Fuck this! I bet the car was sat there in between the barriers, going. I'm never going to make it back in one piece with this fucking lunatic driving. Fuck it. Engine off. Going home. Yeah, that sounds exactly what has happened. Brilliant. I'm never going to get retired. Get tired of Maldonado retiring. Like, just if he retires every race this season, I'll still be laughing in <laughs> Suzuka and in, in, in yes. Atlantis at the end of the season. Yes, it's, it's, the joke that ke- it's the joke that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's just brilliant. So that's that. That is event for Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, overall thoughts? Good race, bad race? Uh, good race. Uh, Monaco tends to not be a bad race ever. You can sometimes be a, a little dull, but it, it tends to always be something to liven it up somewhere along the lines. Um, yeah, certainly. Uh, especially if you're um, Kevin Magnussen having John Overton released in front of you in the pits. <laughs> um, forgot about that. Actually. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's so, worst... Right. The worst release thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a, it was a um, storm oh, no, it's not the worst release I've ever seen. Um, the worst release I've ever seen was in the GP2 race. Um, and I'm not sure what the penalty was. Was um, The guy got from released from um, the pit. He hit his own removed tyre, oh, yeah, knocking it this. down the pit lane. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing. GP2 and, race was great this week, actually. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Really, yeah, really enjoyed good. it. Did you catch... Um, is it Coletti, I think his name is, drives the red car. Uh, he passed like three guys into the final corner in yep. Anthony knows, and then he tries it again on the last lap and just fucking plows the boy straight into the barriers. <laughs> and they're just left there like spare twats at the, at the very last corner in the middle of the track. And they're both shouting at each other, both blaming the other guy. Yeah, like a great race in GP2. It's always something in that in that formula. Too. It, it feels like GP2 this season has been a particularly good season. They've got a lot of um, they've got a lot, a lot of good drivers this this season. I think a lot of the silly boys that just caused crash after crash have have kind of moved on. Um, so they're doing. Um, and they're in Formula One. <laughs> well, yeah, probably true enough. Um, yeah. So yeah, good race. I enjoyed it anyway. Yeah, it's great the Sky Show it live. I'm really pleased by that. I'm going to try and watch it every weekend. I'm going to try and find the time because it's great looking into the young guys and seeing who's going to come up to F1 and then you know, you know them uh, when they come up to F1. It's, it's good you know their style and that. Like, yeah. I'd li- I wish I'd watched like Fernando Alonso or Lewis Hamilton uh, in their junior formula. I, w- I would have liked to have been given that chance. Didn't. Now, now I'm taking it because these guys were watching the people that we watched at the weekend just passed, one of them in that field will probably go on to win Formula 1 races, you would think. So yeah. There'll be somebody there's, there's there. probably a world champion in there yeah. somewhere. Um, and it'd be nice to be able to know, oh, yeah, I've seen him when he was when he was rallying around in, in diapers. Yeah. yeah but I, I particularly was looking out for Van Dorn, but uh, he never had much of a... He's, he's He drives for ART, who are essentially a midfield team in GP2. Um, yeah. 
but he drives the fucking wheels off that car. He's so much better than the other guy in the other ART. It, it's kind of it's a bit like when Vettel was in the Toro Rosso, and mm-hmm. it didn't okay. matter who his thing. He was always going to be better than whoever he was driving against in the Toro Rosso. Um, do you know what I mean? Got second place on his first, you know, in his first start in GP2. Yeah, he's been he's been quiet the last two races, and he had a bad Monaco because they put him on a different. Um, yeah, he made an arse of the pit stop. They made an arse of the strategy. That's true. Um, he, he left him out while they were all in their safety car. They all pitted, and Van Dorm just stayed out. And then two laps later, it was like, oh shit, now I have no tyres. I need to pit, and went straight to the back of the pack. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, he's. I'm going to keep an eye on him still. Uh, yeah, Coletti, Nazza, uh, Nazza did a great drive. He uh, qualified that way out of position and dragged that thing right through the field. Good strategy, mind you, to make up a bunch of places. But, like I say, anybody uh, that takes the car from outside the points in Monaco and finishes well in the points, that's a good day's work, regardless of how you got there. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, back to Formula One. Uh, star of the race? Jules uh, Bianchi. It's got to be. Yeah, uh, I think that's. I think that's fair enough. Anything else would just be, just uncourteous. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be Joe. You gotta give him this one. He's not gonna get it again, is he? I don't expect him to get it for the next year, two years, three years. Yeah, that's probably true enough. Uh, Dick, uh, Dick of the race. Uh, tempted to say Lewis purely for his whining, um, for actual silliness of overtaking maneuvers. What have I gotta give it to? Jimmy's was pretty poor, like. Uh, I think I gotta give it to him if it was just purely based on bad, bad, uh, a particular moment of reckless driving. Kimi's was probably the worst, unfortunately. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's what I'm gonna go with. I think he, um, yeah, he did himself no favors, and I can imagine that even if he hit Chilton, it was probably because he did something that Chilton had absolutely no idea was going to happen to him. Like I, don't, I don't think we've seen the incident. Which it was it happened under the trees as they were coming out of the pits, I think is the only shot that they had of it. And I think it's one of those things where they were probably coming up quite close together. And Chilton, I think, expected that he was just going to get out ahead of Raikkonen. And then Raikkonen thought, fuck it, if I put my foot down, I can get ahead of Chilton and that's one less car. And so Chilton was just like, oh, oh fuck, I've hit a Ferrari. And <laughs> was just like, oh, that fucking twat's hit me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what Chetland would be saying. Anyway. Yeah, get to Kimi. Must improve next time, Reckoning. Yes, absolutely. Must do better. <laughs> so, uh, that's our review of the Monaco Grand Prix 2014. Uh, good race that it was. So, let's head on to the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast. So, uh, first up in the news is a story that's kind of come out in the last uh, day or so. Um, talks being had that in-season testing could be banned to, as a cost-control okay. measure. I mean, I, I, is it 2005 or what? Like, Did they not just reinstate it? This story confused me. Like, it didn't confuse me. I understand the story. I just... Why would they bring it back recently just to then have talks about banning it again? I just... One of those ones where I just I kind of just face palmed a little bit. What do you think? Uh, yes, I mean the the whole point is the in season testing is if what you should have to say is the in season testing should take place on the track that you're on. Everybody stays a day later to do their testing. Do you know what I mean? 
They can mm-hmm. test on the track that they're on. And they say they can choose three tracks during the year that they will stay an extra day and do an extra day's testing on the car. And that's fine. Then they don't all have to do it at the same place and they don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a busy day or any of the bits and pieces. Um, they can choose the tracks that they want to test on. So if somebody wants to test low downforce at Spa for an extra day, they can do that. Or if they want, you know, twisty circuits, they could do an extra day's testing at Spain or, or wherever. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then that solves the whole problem about expense because the expense is getting the fucking stuff to the place. It's not about running a car around for a day. That just costs fuel and, you know, that, although that's an expense, it's not as expensive as moving anywhere. Uh, one of the other things that they were suggesting really was that they'd um, they'd stop testing in Bahrain. They do all the testing in Europe, which makes more sense realistically. I don't know why they test in Bahrain anyway. It's not like it's this fucking amazing track that gives that wields perfect test results. Like I hate the circuit to Catalonia, but I can appreciate that it's a good test track. I'm not. I don't see that with Bahrain. Bahrain's just a fucking better road in a desert. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right, in terms of logistics, stay local. Like, There's no point in going to Asia or wherever Bahrain is, Abu Dhabi, Emirates, if um, you're uh, based in Europe, you know? like Just... No. A little bit of common sense, please, is all I'm asking for, basically. I mean, this year, that's what they're doing. They're doing testing after uh, Silverstone. So everybody's going to test at Silverstone, I think, or around that time, where they're all close to home. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then rather randomly, Abu Dhabi. But at least that's not fucking miles and miles away, like in Brazil or somewhere fucking ridiculous. I like your idea, though. I think this is another case of us having the solution and it being frustrating, but nobody else seems to be able to realise it. I like what you suggested there. Three days, you pick them, you just stay an extra day, do the testing on the Monday, don't need to fly out anything extra of that, just you're already there. And then, like you say, it'll give teams chance to tweak areas they specifically need to tweak. Like Red Bull could really work on getting their straight line speed up to scratch because they struggle with that or a team with no, no grip can get their downforce work, uh, up to scratch and they can in theory that should produce each car should be the overall package then because they're getting to tailor their testing to what they need hypothetically uh, and the costs shouldn't be overly difficult to, to manage you wouldn't have thought really um, I just, just, just uh, I'm just uh, I'm sick of hearing about testing bands and stuff. Like, it seemed like we'd just gotten past that. Like, we'd just come up with a system. And <laughs> as soon as we start getting something, it's like, no, nope, let's ban this again. Like, just, uh, like, as soon as I seen the headline, I was just like, oh, for goodness sake. Like, I, just... I mean, they got to, otherwise, what's the point? Then it just means that if they stop all in-season testing, then the how team the teams possibly... Ex- wins, like. Exactly. That, it just seems to be the way, because it'd be almost impossible to really update a car it significantly if you have to test everything whilst still trying to race what's the what's the point you might as well then say if we turn up at australia or, or if we win the anything of the first four races then we stick with this car otherwise we turn absolutely everything to the next season and that's just it. write this season off what's well, the that's all you'll end up but you'll end up with two car two teams fighting for the world championship and everybody else just fucking around because they're they know they can't win anything, so they just they turn up to the races, they totter about, they score some points, but everybody in the team is already looking to the next season. Nothing to fight for. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, talking of bizarre, David Coulthard, not just his jawline, but also his suggestion that Formula One should adopt two pit boxes 
for each garage. I'm not quite sure how they've managed to do that, because surely that means redesigning every single fucking pit lane in Formula 1. Yeah, that just wouldn't be space. You're not going to get two pit boxes at Monaco. Or Monza. Monza's got a no. tiny pit lane as well. Absolutely. And even, uh, oh, I suppose Silverstone's been redone, but another one, the older ones. This is, this is another thing. Guys like Coulter, guys like Johnny Herbert, who was talking nonsense at the weekend. These guys have driven 200-plus Grand Prix. They should know better. <laughs> stop talking stop rubbish. Saying, stop saying silly things. Slap you around the face. David Coulter, you drove 250 Grand Prix, and you've commentated on every single one since then. Stop being an idiot. <laughs> I mean, in theory, it's a nice... Uh, it's a nice, It's one of those. It's like a. It's like a fucking uh, a political party coming up with a policy that's fantastic, but is in no way actually workable in uh, reality. That's what this is like. It's nice that everybody should get their own pit box so that there's no such thing as uh, skewing or whatever. But it's just not workable. Right? And then, does he honestly suggest that he thinks teams could have two pit stops going on at the exact same time? Is that what he's suggesting? Because but, which then, surely means that whoever the first driver is is still going to get out ahead of the other guy, well, who's then going to have to wait. Or, or, or that means the person the in the in this. Well, it must be. He can't. He had, he'd have to have double the mechanics. But that surely means if the guy who, if you followed in like right behind and you stopped for the second one, surely the guy in the first box always has to stop for the guy coming out behind because he can't be released into the path of another car. You'd have to make sure that the guy in front had a pit stop that was like at least half a second quicker than whoever was behind. Otherwise, you're always just going to have to wait for the guy behind to go anyway. Yeah, it's he's, retarded. Yeah. Plus, the other thing is, having one pit box means that there is always an optimum strategy to be going for, which means teammates have a fucking reason to race each other to get in front of each other for the pit stops. Otherwise... It doesn't make any difference. You just run your own fucking race. It makes literally no difference. And everybody will sit two, two seconds behind the guy in front, not wanting to damage their tyres or ruin their strategy. And what's the fucking point? Or every every time the guy in, you know, in first place goes in for a pit, the guy in second place, if he's his teammate, will come in as well. And they'll just go, right, that's fine. I'm just going to do whatever he fucking does and hope hope something happens. What's the point? Yeah, and he even, he even said that he thinks this will create more competitive racing between the drivers, and he's just he's just wrong, I'm afraid. <laughs> I like DC, but no. Not, not feeling that one. It's unworkable in practice, and I think, like you've just alluded to, it, it would cause silliness in terms of strategy. So. No. No, not for me. Um... Eric Boulier has come out and uh, defended Kevin Magnussen, saying that he's not to blame for McLaren's problems. Well, fucking You can't, you can't him... blame Magnussen <laughs> for that. This no. is, it's like blaming a football, football manager who's been in the job for three games and he hasn't won one. It's like, come on, give the guy some time to settle in and find his feet, for goodness sake. Like, he's 20 years old. He's drove, what, five races? It's a bit like It's a bit like blaming Sam Allardyce for Andy Carroll being shit. It's just, yeah. Like, like, it's, it's, not... Not, it's not his fault. He didn't buy him. He's just, he's got no choice but another to play Andy Carroll because they paid £50 million for him. He's not going to not fucking play him. So what are you going to do? It's just got to part with him and hope it comes good. Um, I get that Magnussen is probably not going to feed back as much as Jensen Button because he's not had the experience to know, you know, the the finite details that uh, an experienced driver can give. But, do you know what I mean? Kid's done well. He's driven really well. Um, and it's it certainly, he's not going to come along and give the mclaren design team two seconds a lap regardless you're not going to get anybody come in and give that you put sebastian vettel in a mclaren he's not going to give them the information that closes the gap to mercedes 
Certainly not. Um, so... The and, other, um, sorry, carry on. I was just going to say, and they're waiting for their, for these Arrow guys to come in from Rebel and all over the place. And that's what they should just do. Just concentrate on that and just get on with it. And anybody who Next does year. Next year. Them. Honda coming in. Red Bull Aero guys hopefully should improve their Aero package. It could be I know mostly. it's very early to say, given that we are only five races in, but next year needs to be the year for McLaren. Like, I know we kind of said that last year about this year, but it's it's really next year, isn't it? So. Well, Honda have got the year of knowing what Merck did to make themselves much better this season and, yeah. and to be working non-stop on new things. And custom built for the McLaren. It's not under supply in three or four teams. So. No. Um, they, you know, yeah. See, see next year, judging by next year when he's potentially got yeah. something that the rest you give, of the... You give Magnus and all of this season to find his feet, and next year, when in theory the car should, it can't possibly not be better, I don't think, next year. It just has to be better with all the circumstances that should be going, going McLaren's way. And then if he's not really cutting the mustard at the end of next year, then that's when you sit down and you have your re-evaluation. But I don't think that really be necessary because I think given the machinery and time, he will do well. I think, I think Magnussen will do well. So, yeah, to, to judge him after five races is just silliness. Who's, who's doing that? What stupid people is that? Seems to be a lot of stupidity floating about this week in the news. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a slow week in a lot of ways. Mostly because everybody's been talking about the fallout at Mercedes. So I think everybody's just kind of ignored everything else. But... Uh, um. In not stupid but slightly disappointing news, uh, there's no likely return for Manny Cor. Yeah, uh, I'm a bit disappointed by that. It's not a brilliant track in terms of racing, but I, I, I did like it. I'm, I, I want to see it back, yeah. I'd rather see Manny Cor than one of the silly yeah. flyaway races. So. Yeah. More European races for everybody, that's what I say. Absolutely. Um, Felipe Massa is not surprised that Kimi Räikkönen is struggling. Um, although he's although he's kind of hmm. tempered that by saying well it's kind of sort of fifty percent that Kimmy's got to get used to the you know new regs new car and all the other bits of pieces and the other bit that the the team is entirely set up around Fernando Alonso, um, which is hardly surprising. Um, yeah, there's, there's not you're not really telling us anything we probably didn't already know there, Felipe. Um, but... One that one that was interesting for me, given that it was the same day that QPR won the. Uh... The football playoffs in, in England. Uh, the Caterham, lots of rumours that Caterham were up for sale. Uh, that started to float about. Fernandez has that. denied that though, hasn't he? he yeah, has so that's he... what I was coming on to, just to say that there was loads of rumours that they were up for sale, but he's come out and said that they're categorically not up for sale. So maybe maybe sit and wait and see on that one. Hmm. Wouldn't surprise me if he sold them, to be honest. Just They don't seem to be going anywhere. Got a funny feeling he might have gotten a bit bored. Um, other random news. Uh, Nico Rosberg was not involved directly, but was around a, a nasty accident at a um, promotional weird, event. Yeah. It was involving the football team and the Formula One team, wasn't it? The German national team. Nico Rosberg and um, was it a rally driver as well. Was it, I didn't I know that was a was rally driver. Well, it's the, the, it was the other driver, this, the other professional driver, who had the actual accident with, oh, right. okay. with the random person wandering onto I, a closed track. Uh, DTM, that's what it was. That's, uh, that's ah, true. yes, that's it. Um, and then Rosberg came across it afterwards, I think. Well, probably nearly had an accident, but didn't. Um, yeah, very, very odd sort of thing. If a marshal and a pedestrian hurt... Um, Presumably the marshal trying to get some idiot off the track, um, but yeah, yeah, the car 
car driven by a German DTM guy with two of the uh, German World Cup squad in. Uh, none of the drivers were hospitalised, but obviously the two people in the accident were, and uh, we wish them both well. Uh, yeah, there's not actually an awful lot regarding their condition. I, I assume they didn't. They wasn't critical. I assume they were just they were injured, but not. It wasn't life threatening. I feel like if it was life threatening, we'd have heard a bit more about it. This kind of just just says that they're in hospital, and that's about it. So, <laughs> very strange one. Very odd incident. No. Um, that's probably about it, really. I can't... I don't think one, one last thing I wanted to bring up just before we have a quick look at Canada. Um, there's a poll on Planet F1 that said, is Lewis Hamilton right to be in a bad mood about Monaco? And do you want to know what the options were? Yep, he was wronged. Uh, no, he should... It's, it's, it's stopped, but the point is it's no... And the final option is, who cares, Jules Bianchi scored a point. Now, I voted for who cares, Jules Bianchi scored a point. Well, do you want to know what the, the, the results standing at the moment uh, is? Um, 26% yes, he was wronged. 54% no, he should shut up. And 20% who cares, Jules scored. So uh, as many <laughs> as many fanboys as there are for Hamlin, there's at least nearly that much for Jules Bianchi, which is a great, should be the best story, feel-good story of the week. Yeah, definitely. I'm really pleased that only 26% is, uh, yep, he was wrong. That means 75, or three quarters of the Formula One universe should um, uh, think he was, uh, think he was being a bit of a twat, which is, uh, restores a little bit of faith from me. Faith in Formula One fans restored. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's it pretty much for me from uh, on uh, Monaco and the news. Uh, I don't think there's anything else that you went and listened to. No, I haven't really caught anything else particularly coming through in the uh, in the news this week. Um, so let's take a look at the upcoming Canadian Grand Prix. The circuit, is it the circuit de Gilles Villeneuve or is it just circuit Gilles Villeneuve? I can never remember. It makes you want to say circuit de Ville, the circuit of Gilles Villeneuve, but I don't know if it is. Find out for me. Yeah, I can uh... hear you tapping <laughs> It's Le Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, God, they're testing my French this week, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Don't speak, a, don't speak a word of French. <laughs> Terrible at French. But yes, Canadian. And what a great Grand Prix track this is. I love this circuit. I really do. Uh, it's been my favourite. or in my, when, I can't remember exactly where I ranked it when we did our our uh, show on favourite circuits and stuff. But it would have definitely been in my top two or three. Uh, ever, I remember sticks out clear as a day for me the 1999 Grand Prix where they all stuck it in the wall of champions. Hill did it, Schumacher did it, I think Villeneuve did it. Uh, great, I really loved that Grand Prix and fell in, fell in love with this circuit ever since then. And usually nine times out of ten as well produces a belter. Like they're always good Grand Prix at Canada. Second. I put it as second. You did. I put yeah. it as. Uh... Oh, second as well. Excellent. So we should be enjoying this weekend, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, ironically, we both put Monaco as number one as well. So, um, <laughs> I put I didn't put Monaco as my favourite Grand Prix track, did I? You did. Monaco, Montreal, Sydney, Spa, Sao Paulo. I put I put Melbourne. I put Australia. Mm. There must have been a tight. There must have been a. Did you? Oh yes, yeah, so you, you did. Oh, why have you? Oh, you, remember, you, cop I, you copied my post and posted it twice, you div. Yeah, <sighs> uh, All right. 
Action. Forget that, folks. Oh, dear. Uh, third, you put it. I put it second on mine. Where did I put it behind? Uh, uh, Spa uh, and uh, Melbourne Park. Albert Park, right. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne yeah. Park, Albert Park. Sydney Park, Melbourne, Albert Park, Australia. Yeah. Australia. That's it. That's right. Albert Park, Spa, Montreal. That's the order, and I stand by it. And so this is, in theory, my third favourite Grand Prix. And I'm looking forward to it like it's my third favourite Grand Prix. I can't wait. I'm so excited for this Grand Prix track. I am so looking forward to seeing what the Mercedes do with that power, with those long straights. Uh, they're going to be quick. They're going to be very quick. Yeah, I think if you are a Red Bull or a Ferrari fan, Look away it's now. <laughs> probably not the one that you want to stay up and, um, and catch. Um, I think Dean's a Ferrari fan, so if he tries and watches this one, he'll... Uh... <laughs> yeah, we did. We did say to him that he had to actually watch this Grand Prix because it's a really good one. But yeah, it might not. Um, it might not thank us for that in the end. I'll wait for an entertaining show. He wants to come on next week. So yeah, that's true enough. Um, so, uh, weekly game. What does the track look like? Um, let's have a look at it. Uh, I think it looks like a weaponized dolphin. Yeah. Okay, I could definitely see that. I assume you mean the hairpin is like the snout of the dolphin. Yep, absolutely. Yep. But the rest of it kind of looks like the buttstock of a gun or something. Yeah, it does look like a gun. It definitely looks like some sort of heavy artillery. I'll <laughs> give you that one this week. No doubt about it. Uh, what else could it be? Uh, this is one of the few Grand Prix uh, circuits that doesn't look like a bottle opener. <laughs> actually, yeah, there is nowhere to open a bottle on this track. It has to be said. <laughs> um... It could be like a an old school vacuum cleaner. Oh, definitely a stand up vac. Yeah, seen that definitely. You're getting good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what what random fucking mind I've got that means I see stuff in Formula One racetracks. Yep, I, I am that's... actually turning my laptop upside down now to see if I can see anything else in there. No, uh... well, I think we might be. Uh... We might be good on vacuum cleaner and heavy artillery. <laughs> weaponized dolphin. That's I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stick with weaponized dolphin. <laughs> I, think. I just like that idea as a concept, if nothing else. <laughs> that sounds like something you would see in Family Guy or something. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so yeah, uh, Mercedes are going to be fast. Well, yeah. I think that's the end of Who's that. Who's gonna win this race? <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. One of two. I think Lewis will get. I think Lewis will have the edge on Nico this weekend. He'll be pissed off, and it's a circuit he goes well at anyway. So I think he, always, he does do well. This uh, does Lewis. So, yep. Uh, I will be surprised if he doesn't take pole position. The race, anything could happen. There's always incidents. Well, so. it's the weather, isn't it? The weather is the surprise factor. It can be. Um, you know, it can be damp, it can be torrential, or it could be sunny. And you know, it, there's a lot to be said about the other teams and their operating windows. Um, I think, you know, realistically, I, it, it would be nice to have a sprinkler of rain in there just so that there is a, um, you know, not a fully wet race. But I'd like it to hammer down for a little bit so that there's a stint in the middle where everybody has to change to the wet tyres and then has to go back onto slicks. Um, yeah, that tends to be the to produce the best racing. So, especially if it's over one end of the track as well, It'd be kind of kind of cool if they got it over one of the straights or something like that. Like that. Um, 
and that just kind of negated some of the edge of the mutt so that it was a bit closer. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can't really see past Lewis either. Um, how bad for Ferrari do you think it could be? I think they'll finish ahead of the Red Bull. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I suppose it's the straight, isn't it? Bold prediction. I don't think the Red Bull will get the. I don't think. Well, I don't think it's a track that will shoot the Red Bull. I don't think the Red Bull strengths play to the circuit. I think the Ferraris kind of, they don't really have a strength. They're just decent at pretty much everything. They're not great in one area. So they're generally pretty consistent of being average. And I think Red Bull will, I think Red Bull will be below average this weekend. I think Red Bull will find it difficult. I think it will be Mercedes 1-2, uh, a couple of Mercedes-powered cars, maybe 3-4, Ferrari maybe trying to get in that mix, and then the Red Bull. Watch me be totally wrong now, and Ricardo will come third again, but that's where <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. That'll be my prediction for this weekend. Ferrari to outperform Red Bull. That's my, my prediction. Yeah, okay, Um, Yeah, I don't know. Williams to score their first podium. I'm going to stick my neck I've been saying that for a few weeks now, and I kind of don't want to say it again because they keep letting me down. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be coming at some point. I mean, and this certainly should give them an opportunity. Uh, if I was going to put on a go out on a limb and say one of the cars to come third behind the two Mercedes, I think I would. I think I'm going to say Hulkenberg, just after his good Monaco and the fact that uh, the Mercedes engine should give him a boost here. I'm going to say Hulkenberg for third. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Fair enough then. Uh, it's not certainly not without the realms of possibility. Force India have been um, on the up in these last few races. Um, could be quite a battle between uh, Perez and Hulkenberg. Uh, Definitely. One thing that concerns me slightly is this is the last Canadian Grand Prix under contract with Bernie. So, and there's not have a new deal for 2015 onwards yet. So if they don't sort one out soon, who knows where? Uh, and given that it's statistically my third favourite track. That'll be a concern if it drops from the calendar. I'll be pissed off at that. So hopefully they get something sorted. Because, you know, with all these other countries just throwing money at Bernie to host Grand Prix, wouldn't yeah. surprise me. I think uh, last I heard, um, they were looking to get like a 10-year deal. So I think pretty much they'll get it eventually. They'll I have no doubt it. that the organisers would, would want a deal to be done. I'm you just, just concerned think that Bernie, that Bernie might just not bother. I think Bernie might go with a country that's more willing to pay money. It's the Albert Park thing again. That's another, as we've already discussed, favourite tracks. And it's such a staple in the calendar that they're settled. And it wouldn't surprise me if Bernie got rid of these kind of tracks in favour of some new hip tilkadrome that's throwing billions at him to host a Grand Prix in the middle of nowhere. But of the two... I think I think Australia is in more danger of dropping off than Canada, but it's just 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 a little bit thing to note that that the deal hasn't been done yet. So keep an eye for that, because like I say, if it doesn't get done, I'll be raging. Yeah. Hmm. I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> it's kind of I'm kind of lost for words. Yeah. Unusual. But. Um, it should be a good race. Uh, like you say, a little bit of rain would be appreciated. What do you reckon for the 
your favourite boys, the McLarens, would you reckon? Button's always gone quite well here. He's had a couple of wins here. Do you think he yeah. can do anything this weekend? Um, oh, you know, I think he could maybe get a fourth or a fifth if uh, the kind of stars align temperature-wise, really. Is they're, they're stuck on temperature. If they if they bring something that, you know, allows them to get the heat into the tyres, then I think they'll be ahead of the other Merc teams. But if they're stuck with the poor, you know, their, their poor ability to work the tyres, then the, they still could end up eighth and ninth. Do you know what I mean? It's not... Um, there's no guarantees at all I, I think they could do very well potentially I think Monaco showed that you know they've got something car's good in race I mean not so great in qualifying but maybe this qualifying will be better more like Albert Park I don't know it's difficult to be sure really um, I'm, I'm hoping really it's uh if it isn't, then it's going to be a bleak season until they can really get something strapped onto that car that's really going to change everything. Ah, uh, yeah, Honda engine. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much seems like that is the only hope at the that's moment. That's the only hope for me. Like, I'm already writing them off. I just can't... I don't think they're ever going to come... I'd be... I, and it's a bit of a bold statement, and I'm probably going to be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't get another podium for the whole year, eh? I just don't see where I don't see where the pace is coming from, and I don't see even if they do make small improvements, I don't see them being able to beat the Ferraris and the Red Bulls and the Williamses and even the Force Indias. I think that one weekend they'll turn up and they will be better than the Force Indias and they will be better than the Williams, but they'll be worse than the Red Bull. And then the next week they'll be better than the Ferrari, but they won't be better than the Williams. And I just I'm not convinced they're going to be able to be better than those teams at all this season. I think they're going to constantly be 8th, ninth, and 10th for the whole year, which is not great, but as we've already covered, uh, next next year. <laughs> see, that's, um, where I, that's where I actually think you're wrong, because I think they'll have a better development rate than um, Williams and Force India. And I, would, I, and I, don't, and I don't necessarily think that Ferrari have got such a massive ad advantage over anybody that you couldn't say that they couldn't be overhauled with a team that's capable of delivering. I think the, prob the, the problem you've got with Ferrari, mate, is that the package is probably okay, the engine isn't. Whereas the engine in the, in the McLaren is great, but the package isn't. But you can update the package during a season, you can't update the engine during a season. I don't disagree with you. And, you know, your, your, your theory and your, your reasoning for, you know, thinking that McLaren are in a good position in comparison to Ferrari in terms of development is sound. There's no doubt about that. But I just I'm just going with gut more than than uh, than logic here. I think uh, I just just can't see it. Like if this was last year, like the year before last year, sorry, that and uh, and Lewis was still in the car and, and whatnot, I would have said, yeah, McLaren will surely develop that car. But last season, I just they were so bad that I've just, I seem to have just lost all faith. Don't have any faith in them, and as disappointing as the Ferrari is at the moment, I just still think they'll be ahead. Uh, like I yeah. say, I, like I say, I, I'm, I'm, I'll probably be wrong. It's a bold, it's a big claim, but I'll, if they go through the whole season and don't get a podium from here on out, I would not be surprised. Yeah, but we'll wait and see. I mean, you could say that about almost every single team, really, can't you? Apart from the Rebels and the Mercs, it seems, I, it seems so Ferrari interchangeable. Will, I think Ferrari. Will, Definitely have multiple podiums before the end of the season. Eh? No, I don't think that's necessarily as clear cut as you you seem to think it is. It it 
doesn't take very much for another team to be ahead of Ferrari and you've already got two Red Bulls that are clearly better than them. So the Red Bulls you, you so require you re- uh, but, so bad. But then the other teams that aren't Ferrari are better than them in a straight line. So true. But wherever you balance it up one, being right in the middle does them no difficulties. They I might have, as well be better at one thing than the other. So at least on some races they've got an advantage. I, I, I'm putting an awful lot of eggs in the Fernando Alonso basket. No other team has Fernando Alonso, in my opinion, the best driver on the grid and can and will drag the Ferrari to two podiums at least. I'm not saying he could and I'm not saying That's, it's necessarily even all that likely. But Yeah. Uh, I'm the same with the McLaren. I just if I was having a, if, I was, if I had a pound and I had to bet one way or the other, I'd bet on no podiums. Or or even if it was just who's going to score more podiums to the end of the season, Ferrari or McLaren? If I had a pound, it'd be on Ferrari. Well, you That's... would, of course, you would. At this stage, you would. But let's, you know, if after Silverstone, McLaren find the two bits of whatever it is that they need to put on the car, or they've developed the thing that makes those funny wishbones at the back work properly, well. Then, do you know what I mean? It could it can turn around in an instant. So yeah, you know, past form would suggest that Ferrari have got more chance. But um, I also think I'm also I, I think that... McLaren have more chance of making their car um, quicker. Like I say, I, I totally understand why you would you why you would think that, and I'm just like I'm just going with my gut and thinking that. <laughs> Although obviously McLaren, have, McLaren yeah, have got I'm a lot more at, to improve on. I'm, <laughs> looking at, I'm, I'm looking at last season and there's shocking development. Last season as well, and I'm just going, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not, they're they not offering though, me they? anything. They didn't, they didn't. And, and last I think season. they might do the same this year. That's the thing. I think they will sack this year and go on, and know that they're bringing in Honda and start putting all their eggs next year's basket. I don't. So I'm taking that into account. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's as big a deal this year as it is last season. If you think about it, um, last season when they were preparing for next season, they were preparing for a completely new engine, chassis, all the other bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. That's going the whatever Honda bring to them is not going to be so radically different. Oh, I get what, that than what the Mercs bring. So I, I, I don't think it's as you know. Um, I would then argue. I would then, well, I would say why why are they so bad then? Well, <laughs> they spent all that time last year developing this year's car. Why is the Ferrari so bad then? They did the same thing. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. But like you say, the Ferrari is kind of just no strengths in anywhere, and they've got a bad engine. But if McLaren have got the Mercedes engine in their car, surely what they were think what they were thinking about last year was other things other than the engine. So how have they not? How have they in the position that they're in? Is the question. I don't know the answer. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of saying, what were they doing last year? Basically, <laughs> that they've they've essentially gave up development last year, had a bad last season, and have not really gone any further forward this season, despite having the best engine on the grid. Can, it's curious, is all I'm saying. Yeah. I can give you a kind of answer on that, and it, and it's that everybody prepared for an engine that was the engine with a turbo and ERS unit all on the back. Right. And Mercedes produced a car where the turbo is in the front and the ERS is at the back. And so anything that you designed had to now fit around a completely new engine structure that's based on the way. So if you'd set up the all the rest of the car, assuming that you'd have this space here, or the yeah. car would be set up this and balanced in this way, you had to completely alter your designs, which is the reason why no other car is as fast as the Mercedes, because they've got the same engine in all of the cars. So if, it's, if you were just saying, oh, you put the same engine in it, they should definitely be going faster. It, there's so much dependent on 
the shape of the engine, where it sits, how, then, and all those bits and pieces. They're not, you know, yeah, they're having a, a tough time against the Williams and the Force Indias, certainly, but they all have the same the same kind of issues. And then I, I just find it curious then that how didn't do these teams not know that that was going to happen? Did, did well, the Mercedes deliberately because you can't, it from them to yes, give their own works team yes, an advantage? So. Yes. Yes, the, the Mercedes knew what the engine was going to be months before all of the customers knew. The customers got their engines like two, mo- I mean, two months before the swap. Like, I mean, like they're and, the works team, so which then makes you think enough, then, but... the Ferrari has absolutely no excuse because they built their own goddamn engines. Hey, <laughs> they, true. they could have done anything. They could have innovated their engine and obviously mm-hmm. didn't. But that and that's why I think there's. Do you know what I mean? If, if you say the Ferrari. Is the best Ferrari engined car, and they are this disparate to the Mercedes. Well, then surely all of the teams with Mercedes engines in them have the potential to be as fast as the Mercedes. Which means if they're currently behind the Ferraris, they don't actually have to do very much in terms of, you know, thinking about the engine or any of those bits and pieces. They just have to work out the bits that make them. <laughs> even half as good as the mercedes they don't even have to go you don't have to go full retard uh, <laughs> you can you can go half merc and still be <laughs> still be quicker than the ferrari and yeah i'm probably just about as quick as a red bull on most circuits um, the red bull's a funny one because they're just so goddamn slow in a straight line like they've just got nothing like you've seen it in china yeah. they're going backwards in, 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 in a straight line like and that's why i think they'll have a bad weekend this weekend you just they can't. I mean, if anybody gets track position on them, that's it because they've got nothing to overtake. And then when somebody cruises up behind them, they've got nothing to defend with. Anything on a straight, they struggle. So I think we'll have a bad weekend here. Yeah, yes, yeah, I'm definitely predicting that they. Uh, this certainly has the, the the hallmarks of a track where they could end up with no podium. Certainly, it's, oh, it's I, there I, for somebody else to take. I'll eat my hat. Of, okay, I won't go that far. <laughs> It's Red Bull, and you know they pull stuff out of the bag. But Make I will a pizza be extremely, hat. extremely surprised if they get a podium. <laughs> Make a hat out of pizza, then it'll be all right. And then you can <laughs> deep fry it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a deep fat fryer in the house. No. Oh. You take it into a local chip shop and say, "Hey, mate, can you deep fry this for me?" <laughs> <laughs> then walk out with it on you. Well, maybe. I'd probably let it cool down. Maybe don't put it straight on your head after it's come out. Of the <laughs> fryer. It might, might take you to the hospital too. I do like, I like cold pizza. I like cold ones. Now, um, just to be interested, but there's a good little list on Wikipedia of all the drivers that have stuck it in the wall of champions. And certainly since 1999 when it officially got that nickname. Uh, Damon Hill, Michael Schumacher, Jack Vionov. Here's a blast. He's now we love our random names. Ricardo Zonta. <laughs> oh. uh, Jensen Button. Sebastian Vettel, yep. Juan Pablo Montoya, <laughs> Vita Antonio Liuzzi, oh. and uh, Kamui Kobayashi. <laughs> all put it in the wall in yeah. recent memory. So oh, let's see who's it going to be this weekend. Pastor Maranado. Oh, it's, he, I'd say yes. I'd say it's a banker. But I don't think he'll get that far around the lap. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to get that far. He's got. No, he's not got no chance. He'll be. He'll either his car will either give up again and just say fuck this shit. No thanks. Or that's how he's, That's a messy first corner. Oh, that's true. Will crash at the first corner. <laughs> I think that's the thing you put your pound on this weekend, isn't it? Is Pastor Maldonado is not finishing this race. Oh dear. Hopefully Sebastian Vettel has some more uh, problems and he doesn't finish either. <laughs> that would be very good, yes. I'll be quite happy with that as well. 
So yeah, I'm predicting. Uh, unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say it, I'm predicting Lewis to beat Nico. Uh, yeah. Great for Nico to get the Monaco win. He really needed that to uh, address the the um, the Sorry. dominance that Lewis yeah. was uh, Lewis was getting. He really needed to stop the rot, but not so not not so much this weekend. I think Lewis will have the edge here. Best of the rest. Uh, who did I say? Hulkenberg. You that's, did indeed. That's my prediction for the weekend. Well, I think that takes us nicely to the end of the podcast. It's a long one this week, folks. Uh, hopefully, uh, it's been vaguely entertaining for uh, the length of time we took. That was a very interesting Monaco Grand Prix, I blame it. It's so solely on the Monaconese Grand Prix. <laughs> the Monaconese, yeah. No, trademark final lap podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Fucking get in there. Um, so, yeah, I hope you've, uh, listened, uh, hope you've listened to the show. Well, if you're fucking still with us, yes, you have. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, as always, you can keep up to our latest developments and uh, the news that we repost on our Twitter feed, which is at Final App Podcast. Uh, we post all of our episodes uh, to um, www.modernfanatical.co.uk uh, and also we post all the links to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash The Final Lap Podcast. Um, you can follow me and Sean on Twitter individually if you like. We uh, cover more things than just F1, although we do talk about f1 quite a lot um <laughs> and you can follow me at man called megs and i'm at fog on the fourth uh and as always we'd love to hear from you uh keep an eye on planet f1 we're still uh, chucking out the odd little comment there and i did post a little thing asking people if they wanted to come on this week but you obviously all missed it never mind um keep an eye out for more comments and like the facebook page and send us a little message if we we want to get you on the show guys so uh come along and join in and Tell us why we shouldn't be laughing at Sebastian Vettel and um, absolutely and join us join in laughing at Pastinado certainly. Hopefully, hopefully next week we'll have uh, the very own Dean Glass as a special guest. The hopefully. return, the return of the uh, noodle-brained one himself, Dean the Fury uh, Glass. He's always good value, so let's look forward to that. Uh, and on that bombshell, it's time to end the show. Thank you very much for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Good night. that uh, and on that bombshell it's time to end the show thank you very much for listening guys and we will see you next week good night what if they're listening during the day show? i know i just thought of that as i said you, <laughs> you dick you ruined the end of the just, show just cut it before i say that <laughs> you saying goodbye or whatever that's fine